This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Reckless speculation. Reckless speculation. Welcome in to another Reckless Speculation Thursday here on Mackie and Judd. To those who celebrate, happy Reckless Speculation Thursday. We got our guy in here from the 5 Eyewitness News Sports Department and the Scoop Podcast, Darren Doogie Wolfson, ready to unleash some inside information about your favorite Minnesota sports teams. What's happening, Dugs? Good morning, Phil. Good morning, Judd. Good morning, Declan. What do you mean, Phil, for those who celebrate? Like, if you're watching this, if you're listening to this, mm-hmm. you darn well better be celebrating Reckless Speculation Thursday. Amen. Amen, my friend. All right, let's get into some twin speculation here because the trade deadline is just like two and a half, three weeks away. I think it's three weeks away. What is the likelihood that the twins will do something here that they've really never done in the last 20 years of contention? I mean, they've been contending about half the season since 2001, give or take. They've had a couple weird little dry spells in there, but... The biggest moves they've made, one time they traded Wilson Ramos for Matt Caps in 2010 when they had a chance to make bigger moves. And uh, and then when they had the greatest power-hitting team in the history of baseball, they landed an injured Sam Dyson and a 36-year-old Sergio Romo. So those were the big additions to that team. So they've just shown a complete unwillingness through multiple front offices to really make a big splash in the middle of a season to help a contending team. What's the likelihood that they make a big splash in the next three weeks? I think it is fair, Phil, to say, though, that this regime, compared to previous regimes, has done some interesting things right along the lines of the Josh Donaldson contract, the Carlos yep. Correa contract. I get that. That was the off season. That wasn't middle of the season. I can tell you, Phil, they have engaged the Reds in dialogue. They've engaged the Oakland A's in dialogue. In fact, let's go back to when the lockout ended. Declan, is that the dog right there? Nice. Yes. I love it. Vin, you got Vinny in the house. Vinny's here. got some reckless speculation, too. What's up, oh, Vinny? Who's a good boy? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Vinny. What a well-behaved dog. Scooby's outside right now because he's so naughty. Yeah, he's yeah, a good Vinny. boy. Yeah, it's, very It's good a bad boy. day. Mom's at work, so it's a bad day for reckless speculation. That's fine. Vinny, welcome to Reckless Speculation Thursday. All right, Phil, so let's go back to when the lockout ended in March. The Twins engaged Oakland in dialogue about Sean Manaya and Frankie Montes. There was actually some legitimate talk about the Twins acquiring both starting pitchers. Ultimately, Manaya ends up in San Diego. Montes 
stays put in Oakland. I still think Montes ends up getting moved. Now he's coming back from an injury. So I think that's closer to August 2nd. That's not necessarily July 21st or July 22nd. But I think Oakland is going to maximize his trade value, right, with one year of additional control. So you would have him, any acquiring team would have him for this pennant race than all of next year. Like that's the way for Oakland to maximize its return on Montes. I just don't know, Phil, when you look at the Twins prospect pool compared to other organizations, how exactly do the Twins trump the Dodgers, the Blue Jays, the Mets, the Yankees? So many of these organizations have a healthier, you know, farm system right now. So I just don't know how the Twins end up with Montes or Castillo, but they certainly are engaged. And to me, those are the two biggest fish. Unless I'm missing on somebody, maybe Carlos Rodon, if the Giants decide that they can't Mm. capture a National League wildcard spot. Now, the Twins were in on Rodon back in March before he signed with the Giants. The Twins were heavily interested in Carlos Rodon. So that would be a name I'd keep an eye on if the Giants do sell. But I still come back to, Phil, you tell me how the Twins trump a Yankees offer, a Blue Jays offer, go up and down the list. But certainly those teams are also looking for a starting pitcher. Well, they would They would honestly, they'd probably have to offer up a current Major League player. You'd have to offer up a Miranda or a Kirilov if, if you don't think you've got the prospects that haven't surfaced in the Major Leagues yet. And we see well, those types of trades, but what's the yeah. what's the trade off there? That's the that's the problem you can't for this year's Kirilov. team. Like I looked at that I, I, at I, bat I, yesterday. I, I don't know if you saw in the eighth inning when Devin Williams mm-hmm. was in from Milwaukee, about the best reliever in baseball Great right bat. now. That at bat, that swing by Kirilov on that base hit, okay. like that's why I have a write that mm-hmm. down from two years ago that one day Alex Kirilov is going to win a batting title. That's how high I am on Alex Kirilov. So I cannot move Kirilov. I do wonder about Trevor Larnick. There are some teams looking for an outfielder. Like the Miami Marlins have had some interest in the past in Max Kepler. You know, would they have some interest in Larnick? You know, they have some pitching depth. Like Max Meyer should be in the majors right now, the former gopher. Like there's nothing more for him to accomplish at AAA. He was shut down earlier this year for a little bit, but he's back now. His stuff is so darn good. Like what are the Marlins waiting on? Get Max Meyer up to the big league. So with the Marlins – be a potential trade partner. I don't have intimate knowledge of the Marlins starting pitching depth, but that would be another organization that I would look at and say, okay, maybe there is a match, the Twins in Miami. So I got this question on Twitter last night, and at first I dismissed it, but I can't. Um, Is Miranda a chip? Like, is that type of guy who's up here, productive, uh, I think could definitely be included in, in a package that could get you a pretty good pitcher back because I think that's the type of guy, like, I'm I'm with you. Kirilov is not going to be dealt. Like, this kid is special. He beats the shift. He beats the shift with no problem. Like, he can really hit. But Miranda strikes me as the very type of player, especially because he's now shown an extended period this season of production, who I don't think you can hang up the phone on. Like, if they call you and say, okay, let's make a trade and let's start, and you know, hit. The list of candidates, Doogie, starts with Jose Miranda's name. I, you know, Kirloff, I slammed the phone down. Miranda, i probably listen. Well, and Judd, I would be shocked if they wouldn't listen because I was told by a Twins high-ranking front office official, they are open-minded to many possibilities. We still wonder long-term about Miranda in the field. Is he a first baseman? 
Is he a third baseman? Clearly the bat plays. But where does he play defensively? So there's still that question mark. So to me, if you can get back Montes or Castillo, if the Reds are A, say, okay, we want Miranda plus two of your best minor league pitchers, because that's what I was told about Oakland, that they are looking for some arms. Like they really like Spencer Steer, all right? But it would take Steer plus, you know, two of the best twins minor league arms. But let's say the Reds said, okay, we really like Jose Miranda. Give us Miranda plus an arm or two, or maybe it's one arm plus another, you know, position guy in the minors. We will give you Luis Castillo. Like, I don't think the twins are going to hang up the phone on that, Judd. I'm just telling you that. That's more my my sense. I can't, like, definitively report that, that, yes, the twins would happily trade Jose Miranda if they end up with Luis Castillo. But I'm just telling you, my sense is the Reds want Jose Miranda. The twins would listen heavily on that. Why do you think, and maybe the answer is just they've, they've whiffed on some development and some draft picks, but why is their farm system not stronger? It's not like they've spent the last 10 years just like trading things out of the cupboards and like, like the Dodgers, I can see every other year they're trading a bunch of great prospects for established players. And the fact that they still have a really good farm system is a testament to their organization. Why is the twins farm system not stronger? Well, I mean, I think a bunch of guys have graduated. So that plays a part some injuries you know, in there, too. You look at the injuries, right? Simeon Woods Richardson recently had COVID. He's still battling his way back. Matt Cantorino, very intriguing arm. Mm-hmm. I won't say young arm because he's 24 and a half years old, but intriguing arm. Well, he's dealing with an elbow injury that he also dealt with last year. So he's rehabbing now in Fort Myers. Austin Martin, the power just isn't there. Now, Matt Walner. At AA Wichita, heck, Matt is 24 years old. I caught up with Matt the other day. He'll play in the Futures game on Saturday at Dodger Stadium. He's from Forest Lake. He's tearing up the Texas League. I don't know why he's still sitting there in AA. He should be a AAA. He's gotten a lot better this year. There's still some swing and miss there with Walner, but, like, the power is legit. Like, he can be a legit major league right fielder. Like, there's going to be some swing and miss, but – his eye has has become better. His on-base percentage is really good. And I get it at double-A. We're not talking the majors. But Matt Walner would be a very intriguing prospect for a team looking for, for an outfielder. So they have some guys. It's just not a top-10 farm system, Phil. But, you know, it's not the Atlanta Braves. Like, we're not yeah. talking the 29th or 30th farm system. They are somewhere in the middle. But it's in large part because just guys either aren't performing the way that we thought they would, like Martin – or it's because of the injuries. And I think this also comes down to, at least for the August 2nd deadline, a very uh, simple question. Are you willing to move players from the top of that list? So it's not like your depth is the key here. Your the, the question is, like, these guys haven't shown at previous deadlines a willingness to, ta- to tap into the top of that list. So, like, that's where... I'm curious now with an opportunity because this division, I mean, again, it's awful. Cleveland lost. I mean, they're what a game below 500, if I'm not mistaken. They so, are the entire so division is the below question. 500. Jet outside of the Twins, the division stinks. Correct, but the question now is: on August second, or as it nears, are you willing to go to like the top five of your prospect list and say we will deal from that? Because well, I mean, the, they dealt Chase Petty right in the offseason. In the offseason. 
Yeah, when you deal, though, your 2021 first-round pick, yep. they get back Sonny Gray in that deal. When you're willing to deal your 2021 first-round pick, they're willing to deal a lot of prospects. And, like, another, you know, outfielder that's hurt, Phil, Emmanuel Rodriguez. Like, he was tearing it up down in Fort Myers, and he tears his meniscus. So he's out for the year. But, like, I had somebody who saw him pre-injury told me he's going to be in the big league, somebody that works in a major league for an office. They're like, that kid is a big leaguer. The Miller kid, who they took out of a high school out of Wisconsin last year, like in the top 50, his older brother plays for the Guardians. Like, he projects as a future big leaguer. You know, going through it a little bit right now, just getting used to playing every single day. Like, you play high school baseball in Wisconsin, then you transition to playing professional baseball every day. It's a big leap, but, like, there's a lot you can project with him. Cade Povich is a lefty that they took last year out of Nebraska. He's pitching well. So there are guys, I'm telling you, there are guys that appeal to other organizations. There really are. But, like, you're going to be willing, Judd. You are. Like, when you deal Chase Petty, I'm just telling you, when you deal Chase Petty, you're willing to deal just about anybody in the minor league system. But, Phil, I think you're right. It's somebody from the big league roster, right? If you're getting Montes or Castillo, you're dealing a Miranda or a Larnick. Like, those would be the two. Like, I'm sure they would deal Celestino, but I don't think Celestino is – is somebody that other organizations are desiring as the feature piece mm-hmm. in a return. To me, Larnick would have some appeal in that regard, and Miranda might have some appeal in that regard. Is there any chance Miguel Snow is on the Twins roster one year from now? Well, no, right? I mean, they'll buy him out. So, no. No, I mean, I, I think we're seeing the last of, of Miguel Snow with, with the Twins. I do not Isn't see that him. incredible, by the way? Like, he yeah. was 10 years ago. I mean, he was a cornerstone franchise, a guy you build a franchise around. Well, I mean, and, heck, at one point he mashed lefties. You know, you go back the last couple of years, he doesn't mash lefties anymore. But I've said, I thought there was a role for Sano. Now they still have, what, 11 days? The clock is 20 days. He's eight or nine days into his rehab assignment. So there's still double-digit days remaining, whether it's 10, 11, or even 12, as we sit here on Thursday, July 14th. But the Twins don't need to make a decision anytime soon on Sano. They won't. They will play this thing out for another seven to 10 to 11 days, but I still think there's a role for him up here. I've suggested in the past you have him, you know, matchup wise, but have him start against lefties. But you look at his numbers against lefties and you would say, you know what? Like you don't want him in there against lefties. So what exactly does he do well? But like (laughs) I was trading text messages with somebody in St. Paul. They say he looks good. He's feeling good. He hit a home run against Matt Barnes, the Red Sox reliever who's rehabbing down in Fort Myers a couple days ago, you know? So I still think he's back with the Twins at some point this year, Phil. Now, heck, if they wanted to eat a little bit of money, could he have any potential trade appeal? Like, could you move Sano, send a little bit of money, get back some reliever with an expiring contract, some team that maybe looks at the power and says, okay, we'll take a chance for the rest of the year on Sano. But to answer your question, Phil, they're not paying him, you know, what is it, eight figures, Whatever the exact number is, they're not paying that number, you know, for 2023. They will they will pay the the buyout. So I, I do not see a scenario where Sano is here next year, but I can see a scenario where he's back on this year's Twins 26 man roster. Mm-hmm. Dukes, before the game on Tuesday, Baldelli was asked uh, a couple of questions about uh, Miguel, and he had just gotten to St. Paul at that time. And I'm not sure if you heard the responses but they were extremely vague. He's like, I'm not looking at the stats. I don't even want, want to know his stats. We're just letting him 
Um, it feels like there is a definite slow play here, and I wonder if Rocco has been told don't expect him back. It was a very interesting response. Like, like he's Baldelli's not going to come out and tell you what's happening, but you can sometimes gauge by his words where things are trending, and that was a curious response because there was no we're eager to see him, you know, just some little hint that he might try and help. It was much more so... We're keeping him at an arm's length, and we'll get back to you on what the answer to that question is going to be. Well, what is the move? So even though I'm saying that there's a spot for Sano for the rest of this year on the Twins 26-man roster, who are you sending down? Nick Gordon is out of options. Do you want to expose him to waivers? Nick's been pretty good for the last month. There -hmm. still is value there as a late-inning you know, pinch runner, you know, potential defensive replacement. Like, I don't know if I'm in a position right now to expose Nick Gordon to waivers. Would you send Miranda down? To me, the answer is no, no, clearly. That's not just based on, you know, what took place in the series finale against the Brewers. Like, I would have told you that before yesterday. Yep. Celestino? Okay, that's one I, I can have a legit conversation about. You know, could you send down Celestino? But guess what? Celestino, late-inning defensive replacement, pinch running, even pinch hitting to some extent. Like, you could argue Celestino brings more value than Miguel Sano. So that's where it's difficult. Who goes down for Sano to come up? Garlic, Doogie. Well, but you want garlic against lefties, right? Yeah. It's laid out that Sano isn't matching lefties. Kyle Garlic matches lefties, right? So you would prefer garlic. He's also out of options, right? Now, do I think you could get Kyle Garlic through waivers? Maybe. Kyle Garlic. But, yeah. like, you want garlic in there against lefties more than you want Miguel Sano. So, I, I get it. Thanks for bringing that up. But, like, to me, no. I'd rather have garlic on this. I feel like I just got Miguel dismissed. Sano. I feel like no. you dismissed me, Doogie. No, I feel like no, you no. dismissed me. I'm not dismissing. Don't minimize me. I'm just me. saying, like, you want garlic in there against lefties over Sano. Right? I'm just trying to find here, just, just for fun here. Uh, to me, this is just as interesting of a big-picture conversation about Miguel Sano. I feel like for, for some reason there's just been this – People hammered Joe Maurer because he didn't hit home runs and he had vague injuries and stuff. And for some reason, Miguel Sano, he's been criticized by, I mean, Jim Suhan did a number on him a couple times in columns back in the day. I know Royce has too, but it's like, there's this, there's always this hopeful energy when people talk about Miguel Sano. This is the end of the road. The dude, he's not 24 years old anymore. He has been an absolute, I don't want to say a bust because he's hit some home runs and he's had a couple decent seasons, but like, he has been an absolute underachiever relative to his talent, relative to what the expectations were. And we're seeing the end of this chapter play out before our eyes. Now, maybe he can salvage a little bit. If he comes up, however he gets on the roster, maybe he gets hot for two months and helps carry this team and, and can at least end this thing on a on an up note. But uh, he has been worth eight wins above replacement in eight years as a twin. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't so, been a bust. Yeah, I mean... I'm with you, Phil. You cannot label him a bust. In fact, when the Twins gave him the current contract he's playing under, I did not think it was a massive mistake. Like, at that moment, with the information they had at that time, I was like, okay, you can roll those dice. That's fine. That's not a ridiculous contract to give him. But, yes, relative to the expectations when they signed him as a 16-year-old international free agent, remember the hype. Right? Heck, that entire international free agent class, right? Wasn't that the Sano, Polanco, Kepler international mm-hmm. class? But Sano by himself, we didn't know a whole lot about 
Kepler and Polanco at that time, but Miguel Sano was everywhere. The Twins won a mini bidding war to secure Miguel Sano's services. So, yes, when they signed him as a 16-year-old, the expectations were so high. Yes, he has not met those expectations, not even close. He came up in 15, right? 15? July. Years blend together, Judd. We talked yes, about this sir. the other day. Okay, sounds yeah, right. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Up there in yeah. age, years yeah, yeah. blend together. Putting sounds us all on right the spot there. with a yeah, very yeah. specific and, question there, yes. Anyway, the point is this. Relative to what he did for the remainder of that year, in which I believe he was, if I'm not mistaken, voted the Twins MVP, and then the start that he got off to in the first uh, couple of years, it's a colossal disappointment, though. Like, you might That's not fair. call it a bust, yeah. but it is a colossal disappointment. If he, he maxed comes up and struggles, early in his career. Yeah, no, he was great against lefties, and now he can't hit lefties anymore. And there's you know, other examples we can cite, but yes, based on what we saw early, I'm with you, Judd. That's fine. I have no problem with you classifying it that way. Massive disappointment. I'm just not ready to call him a bust. Yeah. His at-bats in 15 were some of the best at-bats I saw by a young player in a long time. He had an eye. He had a discerning. He 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 seemed to get it. Uh, and for that to completely disappear is one of the great mysteries of baseball. To me. Also, so his one all-star season was 2017. That was year three. So then going into his age 25 season, coming off an all-star appearance, it's blast-off time, right? He plays a half a season, and injuries have always been. People say, "Well, he got injured." Well, he's 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 never kept himself in shape. Five different times in his eight-year career, we've had stories about how this is the year that he's lost thirty pounds. Like I thought he lost thirty pounds two years ago and three years ago. So he could, age twenty-five season off an All-Star year. He's he's not in shape. He's hurt. He bats one ninety-nine. He has an OPS of six seventy-nine, which was well below league average. All right, okay. 2019, he's hot for like half the year. It was great. Now you're entering your prime, age 27, 28, 29, the last three years. 209, 297 on base, and just kind of an average slugging percentage. Hits a few home runs here and there. Like, this is the prime of your career, man. And we're talking about whether you can keep 30 pounds off, not whether or not you can be a consistent hitter like you were when you were a rookie in 2015. So it is, I don't know, It's uh, if it if it was just a guy that, you know, was, was was never highly touted and was like, even if he was just in shape and failing, I would feel better about it, but it kind of feels like he sabotaged his own career for the better part of eight years. Oh, okay. Well, you just laid out the case then Phil, if you are Thad, if you are Derek, how would you pay him over $10 million next year? You would. Oh, I'm not. Oh, absolutely not. So, I mean, there's your answer. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not going to exercise that option. It's just not going to happen. Yep. Uh, We're going to get into a few other scoops here to wrap this up, but a shout-out to our new friends at Equity Partners here on Mackie and Judd and also on Purple Daily. So uh, one of the biggest pains of selling a house is trying to line up the the buying of a new house and potential fixes and remodels to your current house to get the most value out of your home. That's where Equity Partners comes in with their WeHab program. So they will take care of the fixes, to whether it's simple fixes to total remodels, and they will allow you to move before you sell. You can put... Offers in on your next home, non-contingent on the sale of yours when you partner with Equity Partners. Learn more at equitypartnersmn.com, equitypartnersmn.com. I know Declan and I have an eye on the Open Championship where our guy Tiger Woods is train wrecking on the front nine. Oh, God. So if you've got the golf itch, maybe the Meadows at Mystic can scratch it for you. That's right. Yeah, the Meadows at Mystic Lake, an award-winning 18-hole public golf course located uh, just down south of the Twin Cities in Prior Lake. You can book its tea time 
at golfthemeadows.com to learn more. Also, uh, this time next month is the second annual Land Lakes Legends Classic Golf Tournament. Nancy Lopez coming, uh, Amy Alcott coming, Julie Inkster coming. Uh, if you're interested in that, go to legendsclassicmn.com to purchase tickets. Legendsclassicmn.com to purchase tickets for that event. And if you want that tea time to it, Meadows at Mystic Lake, golfthemeadows.com to learn more. Boom. All right. Where All right, is dude. Tiger at? I'm looking at the leaderboard. Keep Holy scrolling. How am I scrolling here? I think he's plus four right now. Yeah, it's not good. So Kepka plus one, Zalatoris plus one. Yes. But somebody went minus eight? Yeah, Cam, yeah, Cam, Cam Johnson, right? Uh, young. Or Cam Young. Cam yeah, he's like the Thanks. he's like thirtieth in the world right now. Yeah, but kind Tiger of, kind plus of four through four. Wow, not good. Holy cow! Mm-hmm. So, uh, can you empty the scoop bag for us? What else you got in there? Well, so D'Angelo Russell's representation. Everybody's out in Vegas, right? So it was inevitable that talks were going to occur, yeah. right? That D'Lo's representation was going to approach the Wolves. It was more that you know side of of how things have played out here, not the Wolves aggressively pursuing a D low extension, but he's extension eligible. So why wouldn't you have at least some level of dialogue? My understanding is no extension is remotely close. We've mentioned this before. D low was really good. Last time he was in a contract year, his final year with the Brooklyn nets. So why wouldn't he want to play this thing out? This team can be really, really good next season. So if they exceed say 50 wins, let's say they get at least to the second round of the playoffs. D'Lo is going to be able to cash out, right? Whether it's with more teams having salary cap space next summer, about seven or eight teams project right now to have max salary cap space next summer. Or, you know, if you play well enough, you get the money here. The Wolves have your bird rights. They can go far over the cap that they pay you to stay here. So, like, I just don't see how the two sides come to a happy medium now. Like, I just don't see how that happens. I think D'Lo will end up playing out the final year of his contract. But I was thinking Malcolm Brogdon is playing under a four-year, $85 million contract. I think D'Lo and Brogdon, we can debate who you'd rather have. I'd actually rather have Brogdon. But if you want to debate Russell, fine. I'm open ears to that. By the way, the Wolves were never engaged with Indiana on on trying to acquire Brogdon, even though they did pursue Tyus Jones, some other point guard possibilities where, in all likelihood, then D'Lo would have ended up somewhere else so it's not like they've been married to D'Lo this entire summer but like if the Wolves offered four years 85 million what would D'Lo say like I would imagine he would say no he certainly wants more than that would you guys you really thought long and hard about it can he top that next summer would you would you take him back on a four-year so he makes over 30 now so you're saying he basically would take a huge huge haircut in terms of salary to keep you under the luxury tax etc so you can keep at least adding some pieces in future years. I, I'd rather just kind of let the season play out. Yeah. You now, if I'm D'Lo, I'd probably rather let, I'm going to, he's going to have That's a good year saying. unless he gets hurt. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, outside of a catastrophic injury, you know, yeah. if he performs, I mean, think about it. D'Lo with Rudy Gobert is a really nice one, two punch. Think about D'Lo in Brooklyn with Jared Allen, not to say that Gobert is Jared Allen offensively, but there's some comps there just in terms of a roller, the pick and roll game. You know, D'Lo throwing lob passes to Rudy Gobert. Like, Gobert is going to help D'Lo. D'Lo, long arms, likes to gamble on defense for some steals. You've got Gobert to protect the rim behind you. D'Lo has to love, I know he does, in fact, the Rudy Gobert addition. So if you're D'Lo, 
there is reason just to play this thing out and hit the open market next summer, or the Wolves then pay you next summer that you wouldn't take some sort of team-friendly deal right now. And if you're the Wolves, it, it makes sense too, right? Because you're in this yeah. thing for the yeah. now. And, and and I think that this is the very type of player who, if he has a fire lit under his shorts a bit, is probably going to perform better. So I'm going to do everything I can to maximize what I think I can get from him in 2022-23. And if well, that yeah. means no extension, you know what? I'm fine with that. And the fact that Connolly did pursue other point guards, that tells us a little bit, doesn't it? What Connolly sure. thinks of of Russell. Yeah. But yeah, and hey, he was good for the first 50 games of last year. He was good in the playing game against the Clippers. So let's not forget about some of the good moments, right? I think he had his best passing year of his career mm-hmm. last year. So there was a good amount to like. Now you combine him with Gobert, he should in theory have an even better year next year. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, we're, we're going to get into some more of this in the second half of the episode. But, uh, yeah, any any other final scoop nuggets for us here before we say goodbye, Dukes? Sure. Still no Vikings offer to free agent Indomic and Sue. I saw the report earlier this week that now the hmm. Cleveland Browns have registered some level of interest. The Browns, if you look at their roster, could use an interior defensive lineman. The Browns have a ton of cap space, not that you're breaking the bank to sign any free agent right now, but the Vikings are still kicking the tire, certainly on him or some sort of interior defensive lineman before training camp opens on July 26th. All right, there he is, the Scoop Monster, inside information about your favorite Minnesota sports teams. Reckless speculation. Darren Doogie Wolfson. All right, boys. Bye, Darren. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, nice job. Good stuff there. Good stuff. Okay. Let's get more into some Timberwolf stuff here, boys. In fact, let's let's take some of this D'Lo stuff and start with it. So Johnny Krasinski of The Athletic actually sat down courtside for the fourth quarter of the Wolves-Nuggets uh, Summer League game a few days back. And they just, you know, they talked about D'Lo's the end of the season and the current status and and we'll we'll also get into some old tweets exposed here, and uh, maybe if we have time uh, between that and the Delo discussion, Bill Simmons continues to take shots at the Timberwolves, <laughs> just like can't get over how bad the Gobert Ant. trade was. Like he loves some things about this team, but then takes shots at Conley. Yeah. So okay. So, uh, but let's start with the Delo stuff here. So here's the summary of what he told the Athletic, and and some of this coincides with what Doogie's reporting himself on the scoop segment there too, but. D'Lo wants an extension. In fact, he said, hell yeah, I want an extension this summer when asked by John Krasinski. But he also understands the business and the situation and you know, just kind of where the team's at with some of these other big contracts. Sure. He was initially chapped at getting benched in game six for the final five or six minutes in favor of Jordan McLaughlin. But now he's kind of over it because he's actually talking about in this article how excited he is to play with Gobert and Cat, And he's talking about the work that Finch is going to do to create a good system for these guys to play together. Um, and he's talking about wanting to be the straw that stirs the drink for Cat, Gobert, Anthony Edwards, and all these young wing players and whatnot. So I came away reading his comments to John Krasinski thinking he's not thrilled with how the season ended. And I wouldn't be either, but I think you have to have some understanding, which he does. That he, you know, he acknowledged he didn't play well. The guy shot 33% 
for the second. Like he shot 33% the first time he was in the playoffs with Brooklyn. So we've got 11, 12 games of sample here, and he shoots 33% in the playoffs, which is not very good. So he kind of understands that he's got to play better, and it's been part of his motivation. He wants an extension, but, you know, kind of what we were talking about with Doogie, this just feels like for both parties involved, all right, your value is kind of sunk right now. You're a good player, and you had a good season, but the lasting memory is just the train wreck playoff performances and uh, and the blown leads to Memphis. So you're going to make $30-plus million this year, contract season, and you're going to play with two of, like, the five best pick-and-roll big men in the entire league in different ways, in Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert. So it's going to be open season for you as a point guard to leverage those guys into your own big season and then maybe you get paid by the Timberwolves or somebody else on a four-year deal at the end of it. And if I'm the Timberwolves, I can say, well, we're not really sold because, A, we're already paying a ton of money to some other players, and Anthony Edwards is going to be up in a couple years for a max contract too. And we're not really thrilled with how you perform, D'Lo, in the playoffs, and so we'd kind of like to just see what you got in a contract year. They can kind of use each other in the best possible way is the way I look at this thing. Absolutely, and it's perfect, and... The thing is, we don't even know yet what Conley and Finch as a duo exactly want in a point guard. And so this might not be their guy. Like, this might be a guy that they sort of are like, okay, he's a good player, but he's not a great player, but we can certainly maximize him right now. But, yeah, I think it, I think it's a smart of D'Lo and his camp to bet on themselves. And I think the Wolves are very wise to say, you know, those contract talks, let's not – do that yet if you have a great year that's awesome we'll have to pay then or like phil said somebody's going to have to pay but yeah i to me this is a right now in july a win-win to just stop hard stop allow it to play out um and the thing about the benching at the end of the grizzlies series is and it sounds like from his quotes he did eventually get it yeah you know that was to me part of what makes Chris Finch good. Yes. Because because that benching, because if you're a coach on the hot seat or you're a coach who doesn't really, who, who's like, oh, I don't know if I can bench a star. I mean, in today's NBA, what Chris Finch did took some balls because there's a lot of coaches that would not, I mean, D'Lo might be struggling, but they'd be like, well, he's D'Lo. I have to play him. And I love the fact that Chris Finch did that. And D'Lo is a weird guy, but I think he's a smart guy. And that benching was a, you might not like this, but you need to understand it. And if you don't, this is trouble. And look, there was a weird, because Duke is right. D'Lo had a really nice year. And in the playing game against the Clippers, he saved their bacon. Like he was. Absolutely. Cat was awful. Cat was a non-factor. Yep. But in that playoff series, and there were things around there where it sort of started to go south. And if you're going to be the point guard, I think you need to have an understanding of that when things start to go south, you can't join the Titanic. Like, you got to lead this thing. So I thought that that idea to bench him was really, really smart. Uh, and I think it would be an equally as smart move from both ends to allow th- this thing to play out. And you know what? If he's great, fantastic. Yeah. If he's not, you're not stuck. Sometimes there can be a lack of basketball self-awareness with D'Angelo Russell that's kind of shocking to me because you watch him play at his best, and he's just, he's an orchestrator of offense. He's a brilliant passer. He's a he's a brilliant prober on offense, a guy nope. that can 
No question. Keep the basketball on a yo-yo string and kind of, you know, you know okay, I'm going to dribble in here and I'm going to go back out. He can, he can create his own shots. He can get hot from three. And so the best version of D'Lo is a really good player who's gotten a little better. at. He's not going to be a lockdown defender, everybody. You know, he bought into some of the team defense concepts. Right. But then there's other times, and in this athletic article, you know, in one of the paragraphs, Johnny referred to D'Lo as, you know, as a third scoring option on the team. And, and I kind of looked at that and I was like, does he does he know that all the time? Because I th- I think sometimes he thinks he's the number one scoring option on this team, and there are nights where he should be. Like that game against the Clippers, the playing game. All right, this is one of those hot D'Lo nights. Right. You're the number one guy. But in most of those games against Memphis, he just for whatever reason he just he wasn't knocking down shots. But then there would come times toward the end of games where, all right, it's been two hours. You haven't gotten it going yet. You know, you got nine points on 13 shots or whatever it is, and Anthony Edwards is on fire over here, and, you know, Cat miraculously has stayed out of foul trouble over there, and and you're still shooting 20-footers with a hand in your face or early shot clock three-pointers, sort of heat-check three-pointers. And I don't know if some of that can be honed or fixed at this point where he just just has, like, I want my point guard to have a really high opinion of his game, but I want him to have some self-awareness in some of those late-game moments that he lacked against Memphis. So it's super weird, too, because in watching him from press row, when, when he's going well or, or just solid and he comes to the bench or on nights he does not dress to play, he, like, is into the game. Like, he's screaming stuff. Like, he knows he's a really smart player. And so I think what happens when things don't go well is he starts to sort of pout. Yeah. And he detaches. But like he's not like this aloof point guard who doesn't get it. He definitely I mean, I, I've seen him shouting instructions to Cat. He is into the game. And so he definitely has an awareness. I think the problem is when it doesn't go well, he struggles to maintain that. And I don't know if he and I guess this is my biggest question for the coming season. When things don't go well shooting-wise, can he pivot to become a different player who makes up for that deficiency by helping his team in other ways? He, he can. Yeah, he, he can, but I, don't feel, but I don't feel that component there internally is consistently there. I think sometimes, and I might be wrong on this, but I think sometimes at the end of games he feels like, well, the, the best thing I can do for this team is, is knock down some shots because he he can get buckets when he's hot, but sometimes there's there's going to be games and and he just has to be more aware of this or has to come to some understanding with Chris Finch where Finch has to tell him this is not the, unless you're wide open and the ball swings back to you this is not the game where we need you to dribble for 15 seconds and take a contested shot from the elbow you're it's not your offensive game but use your other skill sets to get other guys open. Um, and he does do a lot of that too, but it was just so glaring in that Memphis series. And um, that's the type of thing that you have to make a decision on as a franchise, as you're trying to go from 45 to 50 to 60 wins and win a championship. There are, as I've said for the last three months, there are some guys that are here to help you get from non-playoffs to playoffs. And there are some guys who just aren't going to be a part of the journey from 46 wins to 55 or 60 wins. And um, I think I know how I feel about D'Lo. But I am very curious now that they have made this blockbuster move for an excellent pick-and-roll man who, by the way, will help some of the perimeter defenders too, just be able to take more chances and get some more fast breaks on steals because he's just sitting back there waiting to swat shots away. 
I'm curious to see if there's another level to D'Lo here in his evolution, in his maturity, now that the Rudy Gobert trade has been has been solidified. Comparison for to, you? What's that, Judd? I said comparison, D'Angelo Russell, Kirk Cousins. Are mm. you going to be taken up? Do, do the changes that have been made by both teams, in the Vikings' case, it's the coaching staff. In the Wolves' case, it's more Gobert. Do those changes unlock a portion of your game that I think a lot of us assume is just not there now mm. because of time? And, and to that point, too, just from a salary cap standpoint, it's different in the NBA, right? There's there's a cap, there's a floor, there's there's a luxury tax. It's it's actually a little bit more confusing, but also cap. in a good way. Yeah. It's a soft cap, yeah. Where, you know, in hockey, it's it's a hard, flat cap. You cannot go over the $82.5 million. It, it's, it's, it's set for stone for the next, like, five years. So from the wild standpoint, that's why it was really beneficial. Hey, we're not going to spend a lot on goaltending. So right now the Wild have like $4 million spent into goaltending, which is a very volatile position, but also it's not going to shipwreck you from preventing you from building out the roster. And I know they have buyouts that are the biggest thing there, but from a salary cap standpoint, I just don't know from the Wolves' point of view from the long term, if you're going to be paying Gobert, you're going to be paying Towns, you're going to be paying Ant, Jaden's going to be eligible for a max. How, how does D'Lo figure, how does he fit into all of those plans? And I think the answer, unless he wants to take a drastic discount, which individually, I don't think D'Angelo Russell wants to do. I don't fault him for that necessarily. I just don't know how the math works out for the Wolves if they extend D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, actually, Dane Moore does a great job laying this out. I've seen him tweet out some of the the multi-year salary cap tables for the Timberwolves. Um, I'm on Spotrack.com right now, and so Gobert and Towns, oh my God, it's just hilarious how much money they're going to be making. In 2005, in 2025-26, so in three years from now, Gobert and Towns are going to combine for $100 million. We don't know what the salary cap's going to be. Uh, right now, the cap, I think, is $142 million, something like that. Um, but then Anthony Edwards is going to, his, his first max contract is going to kick in, I think, in two years. And that's going to be like twenty or thirty million or, or something. That's not quite as ungodly, but yeah. And then you're going to have a more expensive Jaden McDaniels, and I don't know. Maybe you got to figure out if Jalen Noel has a breakout year or something. There's just it's hard mathematically without going way into the luxury tax, which maybe Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez will do. I mean, Golden State's paying they're going to crazy go luxury tax, but yeah. that's because they're they're in the middle of a dynasty window. And so that's the question. Like, are you, you know, Glenn Taylor has said, I'm not going to pay luxury tax on a team that's fighting for the eight seed. Right. But if you build something that's maybe above and beyond that, all right, let's talk luxury tax. And that's one of the few things I won't criticize Glenn Taylor for is not wanting to tap into luxury tax for a team that hasn't made the playoffs more than once in 17 years. So I just think from a player standpoint, if I'm Conley and Finch, I think D'Angelo Russell is going to give you a better year if he's in a contract year. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying flat out, I don't want to sign him. If I could, I still don't. Don't. I'd rather gamble because the Wolves are in a very interesting predicament right now because they want to be good and establish a foundation which they've lacked for years of consistency. But the Gobert trade also puts immediate pressure to be good right now. And so my, my question is, if I'm Conley, what's going to get me to where I want to go immediately? 
And I feel like, especially if he takes a low ball deal with Russell, I feel like I'm rolling the dice. If he's in a contract year, I think I get a guy who shows up training camp day one wanting to show me. And that's exactly what I want. So just from a mental gymnastics mind games way, I think that it it makes no sense to sign him to an extension and make him comfortable. I want him uncomfortable and fighting every day. Oh, yeah. He's that type of player to me. Yeah, uh, I like I like I like the year. Yeah, what, I think I think we all kind of agree here that this is this is great for everyone. Dila, you're going to come out of this making a lot of money, even if you yeah. don't have a great season. You're going to make someone's going to pay you ten to twenty million dollars to, you know, even if it's a bad team or something. So everyone's going to come out of this fine. I want to touch on this with you guys real quick here. So Bill Simmons put out his NBA trade value rankings, and I don't know, maybe we can do something similar, like our own Minnesota sports trade value rankings next. It might be a fun pecking order next week to do. But uh, at the beginning of, let's see here, um, he sets this up by explaining that there there are sort of six set-in-stone parameters to him ranking the 64 players in order one through 64 of like how how willing our team is going to be to trade them. Like who are the most like untradeable players in the NBA basically. And his rules are salaries matter, age matters, contract length matters, happiness matters. So if a player is unhappy then a team might be more more than willing uh, more willing to trade him. And then he says bizarre real life trades should affect this should affect this list. The Timberwolves just paid 225 cents on the dollar for Rudy Gobert then hilariously bragged about how they held on to Jaden McDaniels afterward. If the Celtics made a trade <laughs> like that, you'd find me in the fetal position in the middle of, a, of, of the Pine Barrens forest 80 hours later. I had Gobert in the mid-40s before this ridiculous trade. Today, maybe he cracks the top 30. How could Minnesota trade him now? And how could Brooklyn trade KG for any, anything le- or KD for anything less? So I just find it kind of funny True. that Bill Simmons, two weeks later, is still he's mad that they're, the Wolves are hilariously bragging about how they held on to Jaden McDaniels because nobody watches Timberwolves basketball, nobody knows who Jaden McDaniels is or Jalen Noel. Yep. People barely knew who Anthony Edwards was until that playoff series last year. So I don't know, but on this list, he's got sixty-four players ranked in different categories. So like the the bottom category, sixty-four through fifty-eight is uh, quality starters, and then there's the upside gang, and then there's the the Ginobili's, the guys who kind of rise up in the playoffs, and then there's the Westbrooks, regular season guys who kind of shrink in the playoffs. And then I'm just going to skip a couple groups here and get to the group F, which is if you tell Woj, I'll deny it to the death, but I am listening on these guys in terms of their trade value. Number 27, Zach Levine. Number 26, Pascal Siakam. Number 25, Rudy Gobert. Number 24, Carl Anthony Towns. 23, Kawhi Leonard. 22, Zion Williamson. So all really good players. A lot of big men in here that, uh, you know, teams aren't looking to trade or publicize it. But, you know, if you made the right offer, I'm open to it. I I don't know if I'd put Towns in that category. I don't think the Timberwolves were looking to move Towns, but it's interesting. I don't think that there's a chance in hell now, too. Like, I I now believe at least what Conley has said. I, I think that they see Towns as a foundational piece. I think the Wolves more accurately see Towns um, as their v- version of what the Vikings right now feel Kirk is. 
which is uh, you don't get it. We're going to unlock him. He's going to be great. Yeah. Um. And and look, with the direction that they are now taking things, I'm inclined at this point to trust them. Um. I think that there was a chance uh, with Gerson before that if calls were made on Cat, he probably picked up the phone and didn't slam it down immediately. I think Conley and Finch are pretty set here. Now, this all banks on a couple of, of important things, and the most important one is can you get Cat now, given the fact he's going to be put in a complete uh, uh, position to succeed, to stop the complaining, to stop the whining, to stop the pouting, and to just play. Uh, and if you can, congratulations, because you've unlocked something there. But, yeah, I would not I would take Towns off that list now. I definitely yeah. would. I agree with yeah. you. I don't think he's – I think he's further down. So let's skip ahead here because the real headline here is where he has some of the top ten players. Let's go up to group A, the completely and utterly untouchable players in the league. He has four of them. Giannis, number one. Luka, number two. Jokic, number three. Steph Curry, number four. And then there's group B, which is the untouchables. So not completely, utterly untouchable, but untouchable. Okay. <laughs> Number five is John Morant. Number six is Joel Embiid. Number seven is Jason Tatum. Number eight is Anthony Edwards. It's pretty good company. And I agree. I don't think there's... I'm trying to think of who in the NBA would I trade Anthony Edwards in any sort of package for? And? And I think there's some guys in group A here. Like, if if the Bucks inexplicably said, all right, we're... uh, we're good with one championship, and we're we're shopping Giannis. I would say, okay. Uh, here's Anthony Edwards, Luca. This might sound crazy. I don't know that I would trade Anthony Edwards for Luca. Oh, okay. Oh. First of all, I love the kid. Like Luca's not. Luca's phenomenal- never going to play defense. He's going to be out of shape. Yeah. This this is the problem. This guy any year could show up looking like Elvis circa 1976. <laughs> I know. I'm a little um, worried about that. He too. did last year. Now, he actually lost weight in season where he noticeably thinned down. Luca is alone with the price of admission if he's playing in your building. So I will say that. I love watching him. But I'm not doing that trade. No way. Okay, no we're way. crazy. We're, we're going to get shredded for saying that. But... Really? Yeah, have you seen how fat this this guy is going to end up? I would take Luca, <laughs> looking like I would a house. Luca. Really? See, yeah, I'm going to stand by my take, but Declan's right. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I am entrenched in the wrong take here because yeah. I love Anthony Edwards. But here's here's my thing with Ant, though, <laughs> and this is the thing that people forget: you have to watch personalities and intangibles. Ant is the thing that drives me crazy about Cat is he whines, he complains, and I don't think that if you were to name a captain of the Wolves, that he should get that title. Ant should. Ant is taking control of the franchise both on and off the floor as far as the personality goes. When you are willing to show up as fat as Doncic gets, that becomes a major concern. It does. Like he misses a bunch of games too, man. He definitely he's, oh, he's the most games yes. he's played in the last years him. is sixty six. He's he's top five in my players to go watch. I've gone to a couple games. It's off the charts. I just don't know if I want to inherit a guy who I can't count on to take the game. I think the problem is the game comes easy to him. 
Yeah, I, I really I, think that's the problem. And look, it's great. I think I, really uh, I think it's insane to say that, and I and I stand by it that you wouldn't trade Anthony Edwards for Luca. But I feel like Anthony Edwards' peak is higher than Luca's. I don't think Luca's ever going to be a defender. I think Anthony Edwards could be a lockdown defender throughout his career if he decides to be. So the other guys on the A list, okay, would you trade Anthony Edwards for Jokic? It's complicated because if it was like straight up without any other context, the answer is yes. But the fact that you have Gobert and Cat on your team. (laughs) Nothing but trees. (laughs) It'd be hilarious to watch that, wouldn't it? All right, uh, Cat's at the three, Jokic at the four, and then Gobert at the five. I don't know, just figure it out against a small one. Cat run the point, too, with those salaries? Yeah, I mean, Jokic can run the point. Steph Curry's too old. You wouldn't make that trade now because he's 33, 34 years old. Now, yeah. John Morant, give me the bigger-bodied guy. Give me how many small-bodied, how many guys like John Morant have been these fun Energizer Bunny regular season players, Russell Westbrook, Allen Iverson, et cetera, and they just don't do as much damage in the postseason because, you know, the game is different. If I get T as well, I consider the trade. If you get what? You cut out there for a second. courtside. T Morant. If T oh. comes and he sits courtside, that was one of the most fun things to, to watch. He was great. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, and here's my question about Jaws' effectiveness long-term, because he's not big and he is, and it's a credit to him, willing to get his ass kicked. How long is he going to be a truly effective player? That's my point. Yeah, like Before I think he starts I, to wear down. I think that style of play is is very demanding and, you know, he's he don't get me wrong, he's gonna be great until he's like thirty, but sure. then once you get into your early thirties, unless he develops a much better shot. If he if he never develops a shot, then his game is going to be shot by the time he's like thirty or thirty one. But he's still gonna be great for almost a decade. I don't know that I would trade Ant for him. Maybe we're overvaluing Ant's upside, but I'm willing to gamble on it. So I guess Giannis. Giannis is about the only guy that I would a hundred percent trade Anthony Edwards for in this in this collection. Hmm. Wow. Fascinating exercise. I feel like that's <laughs> nuts, but yeah. I feel like it's nuts. Joel Embiid, Jason Tatum. I don't those like guys him. are I'm, I'm not saying that he's better than those guys right now. I'm just saying right. like the his upside is crazy. Take, yeah, but I just can't take. do it. Yeah. I just can't do it. You know it's not I a I just want to drink take. beers with Luca in Minneapolis. Push away from the table. Luca, push away from the yeah. table. <laughs> was it was he drinking a beer before one of those Playoff games? Did someone spot him? That was fake. Okay, that, that was or, or it was an old photo. That was not. Yeah, that was not legit. But the fact <laughs> that, that people kind of that paused and were like, "Is that real?" is a testament really? yeah. to just how much beer he probably drinks. Uh, I'll tell you what, Dennis Kirk, and we're going to get to old tweets exposed here in just a moment. Dennis Kirk and DennisKirk dot com, partner of ours for a number of years here, helping us out. Uh, they will help you out if you are a rider of motorcycles, Harley's, Indians, Metro Cruisers, or sport bikes. With 160,000 parts and accessories in stock, same-day shipping and orders placed before 8 p.m. Get in gear and head to DennisKirk.com. Ride more, wait less. Also, a shout-out to Federated Mutual Insurance Company. And uh, they've just done a ton of work with all of their partners raising money for Big Brothers Big Sisters. Over the last 17 years, $44 million raised since 2005. And uh, if you want to find out how you can be a big in the Big Brothers Big Sisters program and and help children facing adversity with a one-to-one mentoring relationship, go to federatedchallenge.org. Federatedchallenge.org. You could be the difference someone is waiting for. All right, every single week, Declan goes back in the Twitter archives 
and he finds old incriminating tweets. What do you got for us this week? All right, let's um, let's comb through a Cam Talbot edition of old tweets exposed on. Huh? Now that oh, he's uh, moved on, oh, the greener pastures in Ottawa. Won't be kind. Yep. Let's start with Judd. Uh, about in May in 2021 uh, during the Golden Knights series. And with an impromptu statement that I didn't think of until right now, it's this one. Do you still all want to chant, Dooms! <laughs> Every time Devin Doomnick stops a puck that's been shot from c- center ice, Cam Talbot, I mean, Phil, how long, how long did we talk about through the years? Like, And I know it's considered luck by some, but the fact that a goaltender can flip a series and win you a game, and in fact at times, probably win you a series, and that the Wild for years has never had that guy. Like, Dubnik was never that guy. There was always the weird goal that somebody would take a what looked like a harmless shot, and then it would hit something, and then it would pinball off the boards, and then it would pinball off a helmet. He was, reg- Dubnik- he was reg- regular season hot goalie, is what he was. Yes, he was regular but, season but play- hot goalie. But playoff-wise, we never said, man, he won you even close to a series because, in fact, they simply didn't. What we saw, as the Whisperer pointed out yesterday from Cam Talbot, is why you signed him, and it's also what you need. If you are going to win a series, you are going to have periods where your team does not play great, and the Wild came out and did not look good, and the Golden Knights look fantastic, and yet your goaltender stopped 19 shots and held you in that game because with Dubnik, I guarantee you guys, you're down three rip, four rip, and the game is done, okay? So that's what we've been talking about while everyone was chanting, Dubs! Like he's some type of bleeping hero because, he, yeah, he got hot in January. This is why Bill Guerin said, we're flipping the damn script and we're going to try a different goaltender because this is what you need to win a series. Without Cam Talbot, you are down one rip right <laughs> He's right on Dubnik. Judd's gone. Judd's gone. He's right on Dubnik. Oh, wow, hanging Judd out to dry with like a seven-minute clip there too. Yeah, sorry, I, I, I haven't able. I was I was supposed to. I was supposed to clip killing uh, the, me. the second half of it, and I realized halfway through the playing, I was like, oh, I forgot that it had the revised version. But that's okay. We'll just listen God. to the whole thing. I think the most important thing. thing is how fat was my face back Libya, then? Libya, man. Libya. <laughs> Look at yeah. that, folks. Don't well, listen to the words. Look at the good chiseled looks you get that's now right. when you watch Mackie and Judd. Well, so you were very high on Cam Talbot there and yeah, very low on Devin I, I, Dubnik. I think I was more bashing Dubnik than I was praising Talbot, yeah. but nonetheless. Uh, so not too long ago, I think maybe towards the end of this regular season, Phil made a point about Cam Talbot of beating the Stanley Cup champions. Let's hear what he had Boy, to say. You need, if you plan on uh, I don't know, going deep in the playoffs or upsetting the avalanche, is elite goaltending. Uh-huh. Man. And the Wild have that. In Cam Talbot, who is one of the hottest goaltenders in the NHL over the past three weeks. Seven consecutive wins by Cam Talbot. And two goals or fewer allowed in six of those seven wins. It's nice to have a number one elite goalie, the caliber of Cam Talbot, with a reliable backup with playoff experience (laughs) in Marc-Andre Fleury. I was hacked. By Cam Talbot. I was hacked. It was like it was like face off. Someone someone uh, someone peeled my face off and put it on themselves and put a program to voice box. That was not me. That was not me. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. In fairness, okay, 
I've never been the hockey guy among the three of us. All right, so anything that I say regarding hockey needs to be taken with a giant hockey whisperer. Giant grain of salt. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right, you guys are the ones that get paid to talk hockey around here. Here we go. All right, so own your takes. All right, I'll I'll self-report a tweet here. Uh, The date I think is. Towards the same time Phil was talking about his, but I said, yeah, Joel Eriksson is the hero. He must have scored a game winner. But how about that goaltending room of Marc-Andre Fleury and Cam Talbot, which lasted what? I think together 25 games. So yeah. uh, how about, how that, about goaltending? that goaltending? How about room? that goaltending room of MAF and Cam yeah, Talbot? Yeah, but you're not. But that's actually absolutely correct because it assumed that both the guys in that room would act like adults. With the Ron Swanson. And one wouldn't uh, start to. And one wouldn't start to say, oh, but well, what about me? What about my playing time? Why am I the only one on the screen there for a second? Okay. That got very scary. Well, I think uh, only one of us called Cam Talbot an elite Stanley Cup caliber goaltender in there. So I think I'll take credit for the win here today. I'm... Oh, you're going to take it? I was going to say it because, I mean, that, that clip was so long. I got tired of it. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, it was a long clip. Executive producer messed up there. That was my fault. Yeah, just a 19-minute clip airing Judd out for his just, Devin Dubnik just takes. Heavy set. Here's another Santa full Claus podcast Judd. we're going to insert in the middle of this. <laughs> Anyhow, all right, that's uh, that's Reckless Speculation Thursday. That is your Mackie and Judd episode. And tomorrow, Action Movie Rewind goes back to 1997. Get off my plane. Air Force One. Declan's first viewing ever of Air mm-hmm. Force One. So mm-hmm. we'll hit that. It might not be posted till Saturday, but uh, you'll see it sometime in the next couple of days. Mackie and Judd, see you guys.